You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Verified Phenoms. I'm your host, Phenom, and we are still in season to talking to people that are taking their life to the next level that have overcome any type of perfectionism, anxiety, and really also imposter syndrome. Today, we have with us Tobir. He is a serial entrepreneur and CEO of Jafton, the number one U.S. app development agency. With over 20 years of experience in technology, he has founded various innovative projects, including the world's third Facebook clone. And he's worked with leading clients in the U.S. and abroad, such as the Saudi royal family. Bobir's public speaking background is extensive as he's a successful influencer who promotes tech and business culture through social media. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday evening to be with us today. Thanks for having me, Fino. Are you, first of all, you know, we were just saying this Sunday evening uh, is uh, October 1st. It's Q4. So what are you excited about getting into Q4? Um, it's, um, you know, the sales are doing well. Uh, the season is changing. Mm. Um, so I'm excited. I'm always excited. You know, it's, it's, it's just good time. <laughs> I love to hear it. So I want to ask you before we get too deep into everything, I have a couple of rapid fire questions I want to ask you. Uh, so the first thing that comes to your mind, just answer it and we're just going to move forward. Okay. Sure. Ready? Yep. All right. So beach vacation or mountain getaway? Mountain getaway. What's your go-to karaoke song? Titanic. Ooh. Would you rather be able to fly a plane or a submarine? Plane. What makes you nervous? Um, I guess, you know, losing the business. Mm. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? It would be Elon Musk. Interesting. If you could instantly master any musical instrument, which one would it be? Guitar. Hmm. Why the guitar? I just always love the guitar, but I don't know how to play it. Respect, respect. I think if I were to do any musical instrument, I think it would be the piano. I don't know. Yeah. The piano would be the second option for me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. So, 20 plus years in business. Yep. Did you always want to be a businessman? Since I was a kid from the high school. Yeah. Since high school? Since high school. Were you one of the kids in high school that was selling candy out of their duffel bag or, or their book bag or anything? Yeah. Well, I was born overseas. I, I, I was born in a country called Uzbekistan. And uh, yeah, we 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 had limited products when I was growing up. So the Western chewing gums were very popular. I used to sell them, you know. Um, other stuff as well, like candies, the Western candies, and etc. Yeah, I did them. 
So what about selling the candy made you realize or the chewing gum or all things of that nature? It's like, you know what? I want to make this something big one day. Obviously, maybe not selling candy or chewing gum, but was there anything about like the power of being able to just make money? How, what I just, was it about it? I just like the the process of making money. Honestly, it was not about like building a business. You know, you're you're like 10, 12 years old. You can't build the business, especially back then. It's pre-internet, you know, era. It was all about the process. Like I sell something to someone and get money in return. That process made me excited. Excited. Mm, okay. Did you have anybody in your family that was already into business? My father. Okay. And how long have you been into business? He, uh, how long he'd been in the business? Probably yeah, like when 40. you were that, when you were that age, ten. Uh, he was in, in in the business since I was like probably like eight, nine years old. Okay, so you grew up really seeing. I grew how up in the process yes. of making. Okay, exactly. that makes sense. That makes sense. So he mm-hmm. really was almost like your. Was he? Would you say he was more so your first role model? Absolutely, he was. Okay, I love that. I love that. I always talk to people and it's so interesting to see how the way that people grow up truly shapes how they almost become adults, young adults and all things of that nature. And even, um, you know, their careers. A lot of people that I speak to just in life that have parents that are in business, they grow up around that and they almost see like that sense of freedom. It's just like, you know what? I think I can do that too. So when it came to your father, when he was running his businesses and you're going through school, trying to figure this out, is that when you really realized, you know what, I want to start this process myself? Because was there anything else that you want to do when you were a child, like a firefighter or anything? Well, when I was a kid, my parents used to tell me that I will be a diplomat, like, uh, the, you know, someone high ranking government official flying across the world, doing international affairs. That's what I was being told. Mm. Uh, and I don't know what what's the reason. And then approximately when I was like 14, they then I start looking into technology, you know, computers and stuff like that. And this is when they said, hey, you're going to go to tech industry. And then you know, I honestly wasn't good at math. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go to tech industry. Uh, I'll probably will be a, a developer. And my father told me, hey, you know that? It, it's like in 1998, he said, developer gets a lot of money. You know, coder makes a lot of money. So the money was a motivation for me. But I couldn't see myself working for somebody. I knew that eventually... I'd be doing something in tech world. So since I was young, I always wanted to, you know, I, I did not see myself in on all honesty as working for somebody for, you know, long time, maybe just to start my career, but I would not see myself like working for somebody from nine to five. It's just who I am. Mm. Yeah. Something that you just said that I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of knew that you were going to end up in tech. However, you were saying that you weren't that good at math. No. And 
there are a lot of people that may have hopes and aspirations of being in a certain field or just accomplishing a certain goal, but they may not be good at said subject. How was that for you? Did you just really drill becoming better at math or are no. you still not a mathematician now? Like today, <laughs> you're shaking your head. So Absolutely how not. you've been in tech for 20 years. So how did that end up? Absolutely not. So it actually scared me to to the point where I was like super anxious. Um, when I was when 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 I was going to college, I was like, holy crap, how am I gonna manage that? Because you know, the coders they usually have to know you know, good at math. And I quickly found out myself that, okay, I can learn it. I can be a coder, but I would not be the best coder. So what I did is that I realized that someone had to be managing, you know, you know, at the college, they would give us the projects and say, hey, group of four, go and do this project. And I would quickly, you know, come up with the idea, hey, guys, you know, why don't you do the coding side and let me do the presentation side? And believe it or not, a lot of people in my class, they were introverted people. They were not good at presenting. They were not good at, you know, public speaking. And I was okay with that. So, you know, I realized, okay, there is a room, there is a place for me in tech industry. I could work in tech industry and still not be the best coder. So <laughs> we usually used to, I usually used to manage the team. Yeah. Uh, they did the work. I, I did whatever I could, as much as I could, you know, wireframes and et cetera. And then for the presentation part, I would be the one to, to do the presentation. Oh, that's amazing. That's, yeah. I love that. So. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a lesson that a lot of people can take with them. But you realize you wanted to be in tech, but you didn't necessarily need to be essentially like the quote unquote tech junkie within no. the project that you're working on. But you figure you almost you know fit in where you can fit in, right? Yeah, yeah. So that when you figured out that you could essentially be the person that gives a presentation, you were comfortable with your speaking skills. Did you start to work on that skill to grow it? Yep. Like. I did. Okay. So I start focusing instead of focusing on just pure coding, you know, engineering side. Mm -hmm. um, I had to do that, but I had the options to go with, you know, project management classes, mm -hmm. um, wireframing classes, um, public speaking, and other classes. So I would try to avoid as much as as I could coding classes. And just focus on somewhere where I could actually excel. That would be project management. You know, that would that's what I you know good. That's where I was good at. So yeah, I, I did focus on other aspects in in my own um, you know tech industry. And now that you've been in business for over twenty years, yeah. It almost seems as if you were preparing yourself to be running like the empire that you have now, being able to really delegate and be a project manager and have the presentation skills within your college courses that you were doing was setting you up for everything that you're doing now. Would you say that's true? 
It is, uh, yeah, it is true partially because, um, you know, college was just the beginning. I pretty much learned the rest of the, you know, important things by trial and error, by going into business, by raising capital, selling companies, and et cetera, by, by learning how to delegate, by learning how to, you know, get the teams to work together on a bigger scale. That's what we, <laughs> I did not learn in college. I had to learn it, you know, going uh, and, and, and trying my businesses. Mm. A lot of the audience that I speak to, they are college students or anybody that's in their early 20s. And it's a prime stage to, in my opinion, let me know what you think, is to be able to what I call fail forward. Continuously trying new things that you were just saying because you didn't learn the majority of that in college, but you had to really go out and learn it on your own. As you were going out, and figuring how to delegate, how to, you know, become a better presenter, all things of this nature. Was there ever a moment that you were thinking, you know what, this may not be for me? Not necessarily. Um, uh, There were points where there were times where I was not good at what I was doing. Uh, but, um, I just, you know, I was, I tried to be persistent as much as, as I could. Um, when I was in the high school, I did, um, professional Taekwondo martial arts and, and I was black belt and I always tell myself, you can't become a, you know, professional MMA martial artist or basketball player or whatever rugby baseball whatever if you don't put time and be persistent there is no way there's no you know you can't skip it same is true with business it's like exact same the only very small percentage of people extremely small percentage of people become successful overnight you know uh, it's like winning a lottery you know, but most of us have to spend time. So it, whenever it didn't work out, I would say to myself, okay, I, I need to give a try more. I need to try more. If it doesn't work, if, if I got bankrupt, then I move on. I stick to the same industry, but I tried something else, different projects. I guess that's how I, you know, eventually succeeded because I knew, you know, I knew that if, if someone else is able to create things, if someone else is able to become successful, then, you know, pretty much anyone can do it as well. You know, if you put the right effort, you know, right, you have the right business model and etc. And you put the, you know, time, you invest your time. So to answer your question, I did not have that feeling of, hey, uh, you know, I knew that I would be successful. One one day I would be successful. Because of what was almost because embedded into you. When, exactly. I, I can't get past this. You said in high school you were a black belt. Yeah, I was. I was. I spent a lot of time just to achieve that. 
and uh, you could not skip a class. You had to invest your time to get into that level. So business is pretty much same. You know, uh, you have to spend time to to get to the certain level, and uh, th- there's no other way. That's it. There's no way. You have to it, trust me, brother. If you spend five years, whatever, six years doing this podcast, and you always come up with the new ideas, you will be very successful at them. Your podcast is going to be very popular. That's almost guaranteed. But a lot of people, but then you will have a, it's not going to be straight up line. It's going to be bumpy road. One day you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. And etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you you will be you know thinking hey it's not working out and etc. But if you if you drop there you will never succeed. Mm-hmm. But if you keep doing it and 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 come up with the new ideas you will succeed. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to talk more about this this flat yeah. high school because I think it's it's so powerful and. I, it definitely relates to what you were just saying. You know, if you continue doing something for so long, you will eventually be successful at it. And that was you becoming a black belt professional in high school. Yeah. I think that says one a lot about you, right? For sure. Because most high schoolers are just thinking about being on the phone, maybe getting a boyfriend, girlfriend, playing video games, going to the mall, all that type of stuff. But no, you were becoming a professional martial artist. When did you start martial arts? I, I started mm-hmm. I started um, on and off approximately 11 years, when I was 11 years old. Okay. Um, going to boxing, kickboxing, Aikido, and etc. And then really invested my time from 13, approximately 13, to pretty much, you know, till the end of my high school. So, yeah, like from 11 to 17. That's cool. I'm, I box now, actually. I've been boxing for about a year. And I just oh, nice. recently started to take it seriously back in uh, February. I started going about four to five days a week, and it's been amazing. It's so great. I, I can definitely relate to what you're saying. Over time, you, you continue to get better. And I actually, it's funny. You, I wish I can pan the camera around, but I was just writing on my board today what I need to drill in order to become proficient at like certain moves within boxing. And I feel as if this also can relate to business. It can relate to your personal life. And of course, as you know, it can relate to martial arts, right? My coach was always telling me in order for you to be able to get this, this drill down, shuffling, grappling, right? Your jab, anything of that nature, you have to drill it down outside of practice. And for anybody that's listening to this that may not understand what I mean by that, is your coach may teach you something, but you can't just let what you do in practice be the only time that you do it. You have to drill it, meaning do repetitions of it continuously until it becomes almost second nature, right? So for you to be in high school, starting around the age, between the ages of 11 and 13, before you started really taking it seriously, all the way up until about 17, 18 in high school, what was that mindset of discipline and consistency for you throughout that time because like we were saying you know my most high schoolers are not thinking about this yeah yeah I, um it's just that i grew up on hollywood movies uh 
you know, um, um, you know, at that time it was 1990s, 95. Uh, there was a lot of action movies and <laughs> I watched them. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it, it, I fantasized. I wanted to be strong, you know. I wanted to be like them. So, and uh, I just decided that, you know, it's time to go and practice. At the beginning, it's difficult. But then once you get in, into that, you you just keep doing it, keep doing it. And as you said, you, you become better at that. And then uh, at one point I decided, hey, this is so cool. Like, I'm good at that. And I just kept doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I trained a lot. I was really, really good at, well, at the martial art. <laughs> just wanted it, you know, so badly. When you, yeah. wanted, you want to become really strong and you're still young, you know, I could, I, by no means, I was also spending time, you know, playing video games. I was spending time playing, you know, basketball with my friends. And, you know, you could, you can squeeze in that one, two, three hours a day. Uh, at the beginning, it was like hour and a half of training. And then it went to two. And then it uh, pretty much last year, it became like, three hours a day you, you can squeeze you know you you can get that time you know i could either just sit at home and lay down watch tv or i i did that stuff and it just it paid off i became good at that when it comes to taking that mindset and when it comes to business or let's just say even clarity because I think that's something that a lot of people have a question about is clarity. A person only moves with that type of intention when they know what they want to do. Like you were saying, you've realized that you were good at that in martial arts and you want to get better at it. For me, it was pretty much the same thing. I kept on getting compliments from my coaches. They were like, you know what? You're kind of naturally good at this, which wasn't really natural. It was, I've been an athlete yep. ever since I was a kid. But once I got that clarity that I want to get better at, I was just like, mm, let me continue to move forward. For you in your journey, not just with martial arts, or not just business, you know, it could be um, relationships that you built professionally as well over time. How have you been able to understand or figure out clarity in order for you to move with intention moving forward? That's a... Uh... That's a difficult question. Can <laughs> I I, I kind of lost you there. Well, can you paraphrase there? I got you. Um, I can paraphrase. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So yeah. how in life in general, how are you able to gain clarity so that you can move with intention with everything you do? I think it's just it's it's in my nature. I if I if I want something, I, I have a strong desire to succeed. I just move on with that. Um, I'm a very big risk taker. Um, I changed three countries in in, in my lifetime, like completely. Um, one time uh, when I, you know, turned 17, my parents sent me to Australia. I went from living in Uzbekistan, all of a sudden, you know, living in Australia, English-speaking country, um, and then. From there, I, I lived there for 10 years. I moved to Russia, six years in Russia, 
moved to U.S. So by nature, I am a very risk taker. And the only, you know, when when I want something, I just go all in, all in. It's in a way, it's good. Sometimes it's bad as well, uh, because I had the situations where I, I lost pretty much everything. Uh, I got bankrupt. So it, it's just this is how you know I my mentality works. If I want it, I, I, I'm gonna get it, even if it takes me five years. I'll do my best, as they say. You 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 die trying. This mm. this is who I am. I try my best. <laughs> I was having a conversation with one of my mentees recently, and it, it just sparked. It came up in my mind with something you just said. You say that you go all in, and for some people, they think that they are doing enough in order to become successful or to get what they want. What does going all in look like for you? To me. It was investing everything that I had in the project that I believed in. Putting, you know, everything, literally everything. Whilst I was having a family, you know, I had a family. And I had a newborn. Although the project worked out, I miscalculated some of the regulations. So I lost pretty much everything within a year and a half you know all of the money that i made previously i lost it when i was 30 um that was all in you know uh it was calculated risk calculated because i i don't go all in in something that that i don't believe you know mm. i don't go all in in something which is you know which is like crypto, you know, where I cannot control the situation. Mm. I don't go into stocks and things like that. But in, in business, if I believe in that, just all in. It doesn't matter. You know, I can I can pull out my money, you know, put the money into the business, try to make it happen, and uh, usually it works. But sometimes you lose as well. When you lose, that's when it hurts. Mm. Then you regret. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really huge. You said you take calculator risk because calculator. of the difference between taking risk and calculator yeah. risk. What, here's what the thing. I don't go. Here's the thing, brother. Okay. When I say, uh, you know, I, I'm a big risk taker. I don't yeah. go yeah. and bet on, on casinos. <laughs> this is, this okay. never. I would never do well, if I cannot control the situation, if it's if it's like casino or you know uh, crypto, you know, then no, I don't do that stuff. But the business, yeah, I, I do. I, I I do. I take calculated risk, and if I believe in it, then I just go in. When it comes to overthinking, yeah. I think that stops a lot of people when it comes to taking a risk because they're always just they're thinking about all the possibilities. Since you're taking calculated risks, what are some of the things that are going through your mind in order to essentially figure out if it's worth it for you to be able to take that calculated risk? Good question. If the market is growing, that's a good sign. 
for example, AI. To me, it's a great industry. Um, I look at the market size as well. I look at the uh, competition. You know, uh, I look into whether I can scale the business. So I don't go to offline businesses just by nature because I'm in tech industry. You know, I've been doing tech companies for a long time. So I look into how do I scale it? Is there big uh, market, you know, is there, uh, is the market big enough? You know, is the market growing or is it going down? If it's going down, am I going to be able to grow on the, you know, the market that is going down? Can I grow in this market? So I, I look into all of these things. And if, if, the, if I get the positive signs, then, then I'm in the market. I have I have so many questions for you. <laughs> but no, no problem, no problem. I don't go into small markets, you know, if the if the market yeah. is a couple of billion dollars or three billion dollars and there's too many competition, then it's not interesting, you know. You can't build something big out of you know in that market. I don't um I like, you know, if the market is is like fifty billion dollars and upwards, and and etc. Then you know you can make money. Mm-hmm. Also, I try to find the inefficiencies in the market mm-hmm. and try to solve the problem. You know, it, the the way I operate is that I find inefficiencies or I find the problems, invest in the solution or offer a service, and this is how I make money. Mm. One of the projects that I was, um, you know, I I failed, unfortunately. I tried to do something like Airbnb Mm. back in Eastern Europe. And then this is when, you know, short-term rentals, uh, it existed, but uh, it was like, going to you know you would go and find short-term rentals on craigslist here in eastern europe they had the same you know something like craigslist and then i i I saw opportunity i I said oh shit the short-term rental is pretty big but there's no platform when you where you can book it as uh, as in hotel you know booking style Mm. And this is where I, I created the platform. I went in there, but then I, I found out the regulations were against me. So <laughs> after launching it, after actually executing it, after, you know, started growing, I found out that, you know, we, we, we couldn't do what we were trying to do uh, there. I think that brings me to something that you said earlier uh, in the interview. That I forgot to ask you earlier, but now that you yep. bring that up with Airbnb, we can come up. I almost have a full circle. You were saying that whenever you decide that you want to do something, at one point you know that you have to pivot, but you know that you want to keep that same goal. Yeah. With Airbnb, you eventually realize, like, you know what, this isn't going to work out. How are you able to figure out if you need to pivot or if something is just, you know, the dead end for it? It was uh, dead end just because there was no way to to move on with the project. Unfortunately, I realized it late. And when I realized it, I got shocked. 
because we already invested the money and then built the platform. But then I had, you know, I had to do something very, very quickly because I had 40 in-house employees. Mm. Out of them were approximately 20 uh, developers, coders. So I had to find out the way. Okay, what do I do? I knew that I had to shut it down because there was no any other option. And then um, when I realized that I had to shut it down, I I, I announced that, and it it was it was public. Uh, and then I start you know people start reaching out to me saying, "Hey, what's going on?" You know, and I and I said, "Look." This is what it is, but I'm looking at the new opportunities. And the new opportunity for me was, uh, you know, doing a development work for other people because I knew how to how to develop products. Mm. And I and then and you know that was essentially pivoting. I went, you know, bankrupt, and then within a month, I started a consultancy business, development business, because I had the key, uh, I had the knowledge. And I also had a developers. So I bankrupt and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing now. Anybody who wants to consult with me, you you know, you can pay me, you can hire my team, you can hire me, and we're going to do the development. It was a very smooth transition. Oh, that's amazing. From losing $3 million to, to making another million dollars in, in a year. Wow. That's that's a good pivot. I would definitely say yeah. that's a good pivot. Yeah. Um, so wrapping up here today, I only have uh, really just two more questions because I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, no problem. On the Sunday evening. The first question is, what was success to you 15 years ago? And what is success to you now? Uh, the success to me 15 years ago it would have been, you know, uh, making shitloads of money, and uh, and I and I guess that fifteen years ago would be uh, twenty, fifty, hundred million dollars, whatever. And uh, that would probably just that would be a success. Now, success to me, um, there. You know, it's it's a combination of everything. You know, uh, it's having a you know successful family. You know, I, I, because I, I I have three kids, family, and you know it's they're part of my success story. And then the second thing would be still you know making money, but in a smart way, not just, you know, not just, just making money. I want to create a product that is useful, that people are using, you know, that uh, it's solving some kind of problem. Um, And, uh, and uh, sharing my knowledge with other people. So the combination of all of these three things would be a success to me. If if I just make money and don't share my knowledge, it, it, it's not cool anymore. Uh, and if I just make money and I and my hap- my family is not happy with me and with everything that I have, 
I would definitely not consider it to be a success. Mm. That's real. That's real. That, that leads me, honestly, into my second question. Okay. And that is, what would you leave the audience today with one piece of advice? Um, well, if we're talking about the business, uh, it's acquirable skill. It is definitely acquirable skill. You just need to find the problem, come up with the solution, have a big enough market, and then just invest time. You know, the same way, exactly same way as you invested your time in college, school, when, when you were doing, you know, training for something, you would spend some time to get a result. You need to spend some time. Be ready that maybe you would have to pivot and it's okay. Maybe you will fail and it's normal. It's part of the success. You know, it's, it's part of the, the journey. But if you fail and never try again, you will never succeed in business. If you fail, you learn from that and you move on you have a chance to succeed. It's an acquirable skill. I think that can be that can be spread over so many things other than just business. I think exactly. the person can even take that into like their personal relationships in their life. That's exactly. I love that. There's nothing exactly. that we can really <laughs> top that. So closing out here today, how can people find you? How can people support you? Hey, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Bob Beer. Uh, I can kind of, um, yeah, you know, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. All right. Perfect. Well, I'll go ahead and make sure I put everything in the show notes. Thank so you. Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to be with us today, y'all. This has been another episode of Verified Phenoms, and I will catch you all on the very next episode.